Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two story building. Beautiful place, uh, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bao uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff. man. if you've never had Chinese bao, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. All right, welcome into another Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson. Uh, glad you are with us from AuburnLive.com on Three Sports uh, Network um, on this Tuesday morning uh, when you're listening to this and uh, and watching on YouTube now. So make sure and go to our uh, our YouTube channel and and, and watch these. We're going to start uh, start putting these videos up, and and so you can listen to it on your phone in podcast form. And we're also going to do videos and shows 
when we have guests, we'll have them on video as well and, and, uh, and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be awesome. So appreciate everybody joining us again. I am Justin Hokinson from auburnlive.com. For anybody that's just finding this podcast or maybe just watching us on YouTube for the first time, um, I've been in this industry for a while. I've worked at Rivals and 24-7 Sports, so I've been covering Auburn for the better part of a decade um, in, in some form or fashion. So um, if you haven't been to auburnlive.com, man, we're doing doing some crazy things and, and, and breaking a lot of news um, and uh, have a lot of good football information, recruiting information, things like that. So make sure that you're, uh, that you're a part of auburnlive.com. Um, as we always do on Tuesday, um, I generally fly solo on Tuesdays because I generally break down what Brian Harson had to say on Mondays. We, we, we have a lot of guests, but Tuesday is kind of devoted to, to diving into what Brian Harson has to say during his weekly press conference, which is on Monday afternoons. Um, so that's what we'll do uh, this week as Auburn prepares for LSU. Before we get into Brian Harson, obviously, we're going to try to put a bow on this Cornelius Williams situation uh, at Auburn. Um, we broke the story um, at Auburn Live that Cornelius Williams, who was Auburn's wide receivers coach, was fired on Sunday afternoon. Um, uh, and so that was shocking news, obviously, really, really big shocking news. Um, Cornelius Williams fired after four games at Auburn. Um, really, I, I haven't seen anything quite like it. Uh, the only thing that comes to mind is Tony Franklin uh, in 2008 when he was let go uh, as offensive coordinator mid midway through the season. So this is this is crazy. You know, Brian Harson even said on Monday he's never done anything like this. Um, and he even said, look, it's not ideal. And he understands that. Uh, but for him, it's all about getting better for him. This is a decision to make the football team better. But let's dive into that a little bit on kind of what we know. If you've been on AuburnLive.com the past two days, you, you, you kind of know what's going on. I've tried to keep people up to date the best I can with uh, accurate information. As far as I can tell, on Cornelius Williams, as far as I can tell, this is a, this is a performance-based decision. Um, I have not been able to confirm any type of rumor that there was any altercation or argument or anything um, like that. Um, I, I, I think that it was an accumulation of things. Um, and, and Brian Harson just felt like he had to make, make a move. Um, from talking to sources, it, it very much sounds like you got to take all of this into context. Okay. Um, first of all, Cornelius Williams was not, uh, the first choice for Brian Harson. probably wasn't the second or third choice, you know? Um, and so I think that's an important thing to remember that. Cornelius Williams came in after uh, from after six seasons at Troy, and um, had had done a good job there. Uh, he's an Alabama kid, went to Hoover High School in Birmingham. Um, good coach, good recruiter, and so, you know, I think you got to remember that fact that he wasn't Brian Harson's first choice. Okay, then you factor in that Brian Harson brought with him Eric Keysaw. Now Eric Keysaw was the offensive coordinator at Boise State last season and had been with uh, Harson the last four years at Boise State. Uh, Keesaw also has experience as an offensive coordinator at Fresno State in Colorado and was an offensive analyst uh, under Lane Kiffin at Alabama uh, in the 14-15 season, I believe. Actually roomed with Lane Kiffin, and they watched a lot of film um, together. So he's got a relationship with Lane Kiffin. That's the other important thing to, to remember here. So Keesaw's brought in his role at Auburn was basically the chief offensive analyst. Um, and he's been basically the assistant receivers coach. 
Okay. So he's been right there coaching the receivers with Cornelius. Cornelius is the man. He's been coaching them, but Keesaw's been there as well. And so those are two important factors, I think, to remember. One, Cornelius Williams was not the first choice. And two, Brian Harson brought with him a trusted offensive coach who has coached the position and, and coordinated an offense and has been at Boise and knows how Brian Harson wants to work as a, as a program and as an offense. Um, I think those two things, now that we know Cornelius Williams has been fired, I think when you look back, I think Cornelius Williams was in a tough spot. I think that Cornelius Williams was in a spot where, you know, he's trying to learn Bobo's offense and learn Harson's offense and figure out what Harson wants from his wideouts um, and do all that. And, and Keesaw's standing right there in, in, in the background. So I think I think Keesaw's presence put more pressure on Cornelius Williams um, than maybe a normal assistant might have. OK, now we get to the actual performance. The receivers have not played great. They've dropped nine passes in four games. Uh, we, we've seen it. Uh, has has it been great? Look, if you go back to the beginning of fall camp uh, for Brian Harson, he, he has he has harped on the wideouts consistently in terms of wanting more consistency from them, uh, wanting alignment to be correct, spacing to be correct. I mean, he wants his wideouts to be professionals in everything they do. The, he wants every detail correct from those wideouts in terms of where you line up, how you run the route. Make sure if you're going to cut, cut on this exact yard line. Uh, everything has to be perfect, okay? And that probably comes from, one, Brian Harson be being a detail-oriented guy. Two, Brian Harson's a former quarterback. So he wants his wideouts doing the right thing. Um, so over the last six weeks, we've heard Brian Harson harp on the receiver position. And it's been clear. I've said this on this podcast and other places. It's clear he hasn't been thrilled with the development of that position. Um, then you fast forward to Akron. Okay, after Akron, there were some positive things said. Harson liked what he saw. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't last. And after the Penn State game, uh, our sources tell us that's kind of that's kind of when this relationship between Harson and Cornelius Williams really took a turn for the worse. I think that Harson probably had been thinking about what am I going to do at the receiver position? I'm not getting what I want from that position for a while. And I think the Penn State game, there was there was multiple drops. Uh, after that game, Harson talked about um, wanting more from guys around the quarterback position. He made sure to say that we need other guys to step up. And he pretty much was talking about the receivers in, in that football game. Okay. Our sources say that from that point on, the relationship between Williams and Harson wasn't great. A little bit cold. And, and um, at that point, Cornelius Williams, I, I think, was thinking, am I going to have a job? I mean, it was that, that kind of feeling. Uh, then you have Georgia State happen. Auburn nearly loses that game. Again, receiver, receivers are not making a big impact in that football game. Even on the last drive, if you go back and watch the last drive, there's a play where Kalen Newton is running on the field late because they don't have enough players on the field, and, and, and it turned out to be receivers. They didn't have enough receivers. Well, that's, that's on the coach. I mean, you got to have your guys ready. So I think that game, everything, I think that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and Brian Harson pulled the trigger and, and, and let him go. I, I really don't think there was anything sinister. I, I don't think there was anything shady. Um, I think the presence of Eric Kesaw made this – a move that Brian Harson could make right now. 
I think if Eric Keesaw is not there, I'm not sure you, I'm not sure that you can make the move in the middle of the season. I mean, who are you going to promote to coach the receivers if you don't have a guy there that you trust in your offense like, like, like Keesaw? Uh, I don't know. And so I, that's why I think it was an odd situation, but it was also unique to have somebody like Eric Keesaw basically as a backup that you could always go to. Um, so is it, is it odd? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, Brian Harson said on Monday, he praised Cornelius Williams. He said he's, he did a good job for us. He's a good man, good family. Uh, but what Brian Harson said was, um, he said there was obviously a decision made that I felt like we needed. It's not ideal. I understand that. I don't take that lightly. It impacts a lot of things and I'm aware of that. Uh, I just felt like it was something we needed to do to move forward. And he made it very clear. This is about getting better, period. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of factors that, that went into this decision. It wasn't just some rumored blow up in the locker room. I mean, that wouldn't make sense. Um, and, and honestly, Brian Harson doesn't come off as the kind of coach that would blow, like have a disagreement with his assistant and then fire. Um, I, I, that doesn't seem like Brian Harson anyway. So I think it was a combination of Eric Keesaw's presence. You know, and I think, I think Brian Harson brought Eric Keesaw to Auburn ultimately to, to be on the staff in a, in a, per, in a permanent role. You know, he didn't bring Eric Keesaw to be an analyst. Eric Keesaw has been an offensive coordinator in big time college football. Uh, he's been with Harson for four years. He didn't go from being OC to come to Auburn to be an analyst. My guess is Harson said, look, come with me, uh, get used to the SEC. Let's put you as an analyst role for a year. And then we're going to find a place for you. Um, and, and, the, and I think, I think, the struggles through the first few games at receiver and, and the disappointment and maybe, maybe Cornelius and how he was developing those guys and, and those guys being so off kiltered. I think he just decided, Hey, it's an opportunity, but why not now? I can, I can put a guy in there that I trust. I, I was going to probably try to find a place for him. Anyway, we gave Cornelius Williams a shot. It didn't work. And he made the move right before conference season versus going all season when if you're sitting there and you're like, well, we're, we're going to make, make the move anyway, if, if you get to the point where you think, OK, this isn't maybe what I thought it was going to be, just pull the bandaid off. And that's what he did. Is it is it unique? Yep. It's odd. Yep. But, you know, I really think that when you break it down, there's a lot of things that make sense about about the move. There's a lot of things that, that, that kind of do make sense about it. Um, and so um, that's kind of the gist of it. I just sort of wanted to go over. Um, the whole Cornelius Williams saga has been crazy. Hopefully Cornelius Williams lands on his feet. He's a good young coach uh, and he can recruit. He's a good recruiter. He'll be fine. Um, you know, I, I think, I think he'll be fine, um, but it'll be interesting to see now what does Auburn look like against LSU, especially at the wide out position, mainly do other receivers play? Cause that's the one thing we're not sure about is why didn't Xavier Capers play more? Why didn't Elijah Canyon play more? Those two specifically. Those are big, talented, athletic guys. Now, if they're not doing their part in practice, okay. We just don't know. You, you see Canyon make a play at the end of that game. You've seen Capers make plays. Those guys are big targets, and they would help a quarterback um, in terms of uh, moving the ball downfield. And so you got to wonder why they'd ever had opportunities. And so we'll see if, if maybe there's a different receiver rotation potentially too. That could also point towards maybe there's something. If there's a different rotation, you know, maybe maybe that's another thing that uh, that you can look at and say maybe that was on on Cornelius. Maybe there was maybe he was caught on some guys or too hard on some other guys or who knows what. So that kind of uh, hopefully that kind of wraps up that that saga. 
Auburn will move on. Cornelius Williams is out. Eric Keesaw is in. And Auburn will move on as they play LSU. All right, let's dive into what Brian Harson had to say on Monday. Most of it centered around TJ Finley and Bo Nix, obviously. Uh, no starter has been named. Uh, disregard the depth chart that has Bo Nix as the starter. No starter has been named. I would be surprised if a starter is publicly named before the before the game. I, I don't know what benefit that would be to name a starter. This isn't fall camp. Um, I mean, to me, you just go in and you start a guy. I, I, I don't know. You know, there's I don't see I don't think we'll know until, you know, right before game time. Um, the one thing that Brian Harson has said that I think is interesting because you don't hear it said a lot, or I certainly haven't you know, heard, heard it say this way, but he's made it a point to say, hey, the quarterback is no different than any other position. You got to prepare. I mean, there, there's no, you know, I mean, it, quarterback, it's, I mean, I, I understand it's a little different because that's that position. And generally, you go into the game knowing you're the starter, but ultimately, you're on the football team like everybody else. And you got to prepare uh, and you got to earn that role. You don't just get to, you know, walk through practice that week because you're the starter. Um, and so Brian Harson's made it a point to say, Hey, those guys got to prepare and, 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 and just like anybody else. And so that's what he's asking his quarterbacks to do this week. He's saying both those guys need to be ready to go. Um, both those guys need to prepare like they're going to play. Um, who starts? We're not sure. I mean, I, like I said, I don't think you're going to know. Um, you know, he praised TJ Finley uh, for his performance on Saturday, said, hey, he, he was poised. He came in prepared and ready, and he earned that opportunity. I really had a lot of good things to say about TJ, and I think that's on purpose. I think he didn't want this to be about Bo Nix being benched. I think he wanted to say, yeah, okay, I, we needed a spark. I needed to pull Bo Nix. But TJ also has done things to earn the role. You know, it's. I, I think he wanted to make sure that people understood that it's not like TJ just got to play by default. Like, he was, well, Nix wasn't doing a good, good job, and we had to put somebody in. He wanted to make sure and give TJ – Finley praise for preparing and being ready to play and making sure that people understood that he earned that opportunity. Um, not just, well, we pulled Nick's and somebody had to play it. And so I think that was important to TJ's confidence and, um, and, and maybe keep it a little pressure off of, off of Bo Nix and making it just about Bo. Um, Bo Nix was on the, uh, was on and made some public comments to the media on Monday. He was on the next round uh, in, uh, out of Birmingham. And um, he talked about the decision. He said uh, he was frustrated. He said he was pissed at being pulled. Uh, he, he said that, um, you know, he, he, he was shocked. He, he didn't think he was playing that bad. Um, and so he, uh, he tried to be a good teammate. He said he kind of took himself out of, you know, you might have seen that shot where he's sort of by himself. He said he kind of did that on purpose. He said, I, I didn't want to be in the middle of the action where the camera finds me and puts, the, and puts it on me. And, he kind of was thinking if he stays away from the huddle and from and from next from you know next to Brian Harson that, that maybe um, he wouldn't be part of the story. He just kind of wanted to uh, give some breathing room, I guess. And so, uh, but he's you know look, he's going to continue to to prepare and and be ready. And the story on Bo Nix is not done. I don't think. Um, I don't know who's going to start this weekend, and I, I, whoever starts this weekend, I mean. Could Finley start and just take off and it'd be a Tom Brady, Drew Brees situation where Brees, you know, where Bledsoe never plays again, Nick's never plays again? Maybe. Certainly possible. But um, 
I don't think the story is completely written on Bo Nix. I think he'll have I think he'll have opportunities uh, again, and and I think he'll stay as ready as as he can be. So no starter is going to be named. We'll find out later in the week. Probably probably not. Probably on Saturday we'll probably find out who's going to play quarterback at that position. Um, again on on the uh, on the coaching change, Brian Harson talked about that. He said, "Look, we need to improve. Our goal is every week to improve." Um, he said that's been the message from day one. We make decisions. Uh, on 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 improvement, nothing else. Um, and he just said, we need to figure out what kind of program we want to be, and that's how we need to make decisions. So that's why he changed out Cornelius Williams for uh, for Eric Keesaw. Here's what he had to say about Eric Keesaw, by the way, Brian Harson. He said, I've known him for a long time. He's a good teacher. He understands that we want to what we want to do and how we want to do it. He understands why we're doing it. He said, uh, Eric brings experience and a level of teaching that I feel like uh, can improve our room and help those guys understand what they're trying to accomplish. So he's a good technician. He's very detailed. And he said, that's one thing I'd describe him as, a very detailed coach. He has a plan. He has a vision. What stands out about me in him describing Eric Keesaw is he might as well be describing himself, um, which again goes back to bringing Keesaw on um, and, and just from talking to people and my own sense of the situation, it's pretty clear he wanted Eric Keesaw to be a part of the staff eventually. And it's also pretty clear why he pulled the trigger to get rid of Cornelius Williams because he has a lot of faith, clearly, in Eric Keesaw. I mean, everything he just said about Eric Keesaw is, is really Brian Harson. So he sees a lot of himself in Eric Keesaw. Um, so it sounds like you got – look, I don't think Auburn's going to suffer at receiver. I mean, they weren't getting great production anyway. So it's not like it's going to get worse. Um, and if there were alignment issues and spacing issues, things like that, ultimately that's coaching. Look, Cornelius could be sitting back there going, I did everything I could. The guys just don't pick it up. Maybe. But ultimately that, that comes back to coaching. It just does. Um, Brian Harson was asked about would there be a different game plan depending on the quarterback. Uh, and he, he kind of shot that down. He said that's pretty much impossible to try to develop two completely different game plans. I mean, that's just – that's asking a lot. Uh, he said, we need to have a game plan that everybody can execute, not just two guys. Um, what he did say was he was asked about the game plan. He said, in general, they said, do you have to change things for Bo Nix and TJ Finley? And Brian Harson said, well, well, not necessarily. He goes, but in general, we have to change something. He goes, let's start there. He goes, we got to change something because we got to put points on the board, um, and, and which, is, which is obviously true. So I don't know what kind of different game plan you're going to get. Look, Nixon, TJ Finley, are, they're both mobile. Um, they both have good good arm strength. So, I, you know, I don't know. You know, Maybe RPO stuff is probably the only thing. If there was any RPO game, I could see Nick's running RPO. I don't think Finley's going to run RPO stuff. He didn't have that kind of burst like Nick's does to be able to run that. But other than that, play action, I-formation run, zone run, um, you know, and then slinging it around, I don't, I don't see a lot uh, that'll be different necessarily. I mean, TJ Finley's got a great arm; he throws a great football, and so, you know, but but Nick's got a good arm strength too. So I don't, I don't think that necessarily the play calling will be that much different, other than maybe you don't see RPO, which is something I would see more with with Bo Nix than than uh, than TJ Finley. Um, one of the other things that Brian Harson talked about was Auburn's inability to score in the red zone. Look. Auburn, I mean, not only are they not scoring, but it really comes down to the red zone. If you go back to Penn State, they had to kick two field goals. And then you look at Georgia State, they kicked four field goals. Uh, didn't score their an offensive touchdown against Georgia State until 45 seconds left in the game. Um, and Brian Harson harped on that. He said, we have to score in the red zone. 
He goes, everybody in offense knows we have to put it. We have to put it in the end zone. We have to score touchdowns. Uh, you have to smell blood and want to get into the end zone. Uh, Auburn ranks 63rd nationally in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They've been in the red zone 14 times and they have nine touchdowns and four field goals. Um, so it's just not good enough. It's just not even close to good enough um, in, in terms of uh, where you need to be to, to score and, 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 and to win. Um, and so that was something that Brian Harson harped. And it makes sense. Look, Auburn can, can run the football pretty well. They can't throw the ball. So if you think about what happens when you get in the red zone, the, the field collapses. The ability to run the ball as you get closer to the goal line it, um, is, is harder. That ability becomes tougher. And so then you've got to either be able, be able to really, really execute in the run game or you've got to be accurate and make good throws. And that hasn't been there. So it makes total sense that Auburn's stalled in the red zone right now. They have a decent enough offense to move between the 20s um, at times, but, but the red zone, they just they don't have the execution or the playmakers at wide out to stretch things out so that they can still run or make a throw to a big-time wide out. They just they don't have it right now. So they got to figure that out. Um, Brian Harson talked about the LSU game a little bit, expects it to be a physical game. Max Johnson, uh, good quarterback for LSU, good passing game. You know what surprised me was that LSU's rushing attack is 13th in the SEC right now. They're only averaging 80 yards a game. That's unusual for an LSU uh, football team to be 13th in rushing. Um, so let's keep an eye on that. Auburn's been good against the run, except for Saturday. Well, I should say, except for the first half Saturday. Once they got their head screwed on straight, Zacoby McLean returned, uh, Auburn shut that down. So I think Auburn's still a pretty good rush defense team. So again, I think this is going to be similar to Penn State. I think Auburn will contain the run decently. And it's going to be what adjustments has Derek Mason made uh, on that defense? Is he going to sit back and play zone? Does he think that he just needs to execute better, or is he going to make adjustments and bring more pressure? Because Mac jo Max Johnson's a talented quarterback. Uh, Butte, their receiver at LSU, is fantastic. Um, and so if you sit back and try to do that LSU scheme again, um, it's, it's not going to be any, much different than the Penn State game. They're going to they're going to complete. They're going to throw for 300. Um, and so Auburn's really got to figure that out. I think they'll do some different things. I don't think you'll see the same thing, but I hopefully you allow. Roger McCreary and Nehemiah Pritchett to be more aggressive. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that kind of plays out. Also talked about LSU's defense first in the league in sacks. It's not what you want to hear if you're Auburn and you're coming off a game where you struggled to run the ball on Georgia State. You struggled to protect Bo Nix. He was pressured 10 times, sacked twice. So an LSU defense, it's been coming after the quarterback. And now you potentially have a brand new quarterback in there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. That offensive line for Auburn is going to have to really, really, really step up and help Finley and, and get that running game going um, in, uh, in Baton Rouge. So we'll, we'll kind of – we'll see how that's, that's going. But that's, that's kind of the high points of, um, of what Brian Harson had to, to say on Monday. Most of it, obviously, like we talked about, centered around the quarterback battle between Finley and Bo Nix. And I call it a battle because, you know, I, honestly, I don't, really, I don't really like the controversy word. I don't necessarily think it's a controversy. Um, I think that this has been a quarterback battle for a long time. And I also don't think Bo Nix is going anywhere. I don't think T.J. Finley is that much better that, uh, that it won't still be a battle. Finley could play, a, play at LSU and play the whole game. Um, and I still think it could be a battle because I think they're pretty close. And I think Brian Harson puts a lot of um, 
of uh, importance on practice, preparing, watching film, and doing all those little things. So, I mean, if Finley has a good week, and let's say they go to LSU, lose, but Finley plays the whole game, doesn't play bad, they come back in, in, in the next week, and Bo Nix just starts having amazing weeks of practice. He'll be right there. He'll be right there, and he'll have an opportunity to start the second Finley is maybe not doing great. So I, I think it's I think it's still a battle unless – excuse me – unless one of them just takes off. Either Finley takes this thing and runs with it, or Finley goes in and starts and struggles worse than Nick's, and Nick's gets put back in and, and gets his head on straight and all of a sudden starts playing well. Um, so anyway, I, I think there's opportunities there for this still to be a, a quarterback battle. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of see, see what happens. Um, but, so that kind of is a, a rundown of, of what Brian Harson said on Monday real quick. Um, well, let's, let's also talk about, I had an opportunity to talk to Bruce Pearl on Monday morning. Um, Bruce Pearl, Charles Barkley did a golf event, um, uh, in support of Auburn basketball, the athletics department raised a lot of money. Um, and, uh, we had a chance to talk, <coughs> excuse me. We had a chance to talk to Bruce Pearl a little bit. Talked about his team. Uh, they start practice on Tuesday, and um, and so um, you know, young team, a lot of transfers coming in. Alan Flanagan he updated that situation and said that uh, it's a serious injury, and so we'll see how that's coming along. It's going to be mid December for Alan Flanagan. Um, had some good things to say about Chris Moore and Devin Cambridge and Wendell Green as well. Chris Moore's a guy to watch out for. He's a good spot up shooter from three. He's changed his body. He could be a really good player. Um, and Charles Barkley, you know, obviously had some really cool things to say, including a guy who's been to the Olympics, a guy who's an NBA MVP, uh, NBA Hall of Famer. And Charles Barkley said, he said, I've had an amazing, blessed life, but Auburn going to the Final Four is probably my greatest sports experience. So pretty cool moment for, for Charles Barkley and what that run from Auburn basketball meant to him. Uh, also asked him about Jabari Smith. He said he hasn't met Jabari or seen him in person play, but he's heard a lot of good things. Um, and he's a terrific young player, so we'll, we'll kind of. I'm curious to see if we can get some more thoughts from Barkley on Jabari Smith as the season goes on. But we'll have more on Auburn basketball uh, this week at auburnlive.com as practice gets going. And so uh, make sure and check that out. But uh, make sure at auburnlive.com, football recruiting news, basketball recruiting news, team news, a great message board. Uh, we have absolutely been cooking the last 24 hours with information uh, and intel. So make sure at auburnlive.com, go subscribe. Um, we'll talk to, uh, we'll talk to more players. We'll have guests on every day. Um, and so, uh, you know, we'll, this is kind of your home if either in podcast form or, or watching on YouTube, rewatching these things, we'll, we'll, uh, have more guests on. It'll be fun. So, uh, appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, if you want more on what Brian Harson said, go to auburnlive.com. Um, and, uh, and make sure that that's your home as Auburn prepares to play LSU, this weekend, 8 o'clock in Death Valley, 8 o'clock at night, ESPN game should be a really fun show, really, really, really fun game. I uh, appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, AuburnLive.com. Until next time, we're out. See ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. 
That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.